1: Hey guys, welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 276. Alright guys, it's comedy crunch time. My stand-up comedy special, Mandroid, airs November 10th, Saturday night, November 10th, at 11pm, 10 in the Central Time Zone, cause you have to be different. And, uh, I really would love for you to watch it when it airs. Cause, um... In the old days, in television, you had to watch stuff. When it came on the television, or you never saw it again. Scores of television lost forever because people just never watched it again. We've forgotten all the stuff we've forgotten. So, uh, yes, please, uh, watch the comedy special. I don't think it sucks. I'm actually really excited about it. I would love for you to see it. And then tweet at me. If you don't like it, I'm sure you'll tell me. But if you like it, I'm fine with those tweets, too. I'm fine with all of that. This episode of the Nerds Podcast is brought to you by Stamps.com Guys, it's the future You can buy and print official U.S. posters from your own computer and printer whenever you need it Can you imagine what your great-great-grandfather would say? He'd be like, what's a computer? But that won't change the fact that you can print it out there, it is way cheaper than a postal meter. Uh, you get more features than the meter for a fraction of the pri- for the price. It's uh, special discounts on mailing and shipping that you can't even get at the post office on things like Priority Mail and Express Mail. Uh, stamps.com customers have printed over $3 billion in postage. Billion! With a B! So use Stamps.com. You get a special promo code, which is Nerdist, for an offer of a no-risk trial, $110 worth of bonus stuff, including a digital scale, and up to $55 of free postage. So go to Stamps.com before you do anything else, click on the microphone at the top of the page and type in Nerdist. Stamps.com, enter the promo code NERDIST. This episode of the podcast is Anthony Edwards, who is so friggin' nice! Ah, it just, it makes me happy. I can't tell you what the movie Revenge of the Nerds for me did when I was a kid. I think I've probably talked about this before, but we didn't have names for what we were, me and my friends, when I was growing up. Uh, and then I saw Revenge of the Nerds, and I was like, those are, that's what I am. A tri Uh, but the nerd word, I wasn't really in use, uh, in my school until Revenge of the Nerds. And then I finally felt like I had a tribe that I could identify with. Because there were only, like, maybe three of us, or four of us. Uh, well, maybe that's an exaggeration. I guess if you counted all of the grades, they were, like, maybe ten or eleven. Um, which we saw each other in chess club and computer lab. So it was. It, Revenge of the Nerds was a <laughs> strangely um, uh, influential film for me, and uh, and and made me happy. And I've seen it hundreds of times. I'm uh, I'm talking a lot about Revenge of the Nerds. I know Anthony Edwards has done more stuff than that, but I'm very excited about that one. But Top Gun, come on, gotcha. Come on, ER. His new show is called Zero Hour. It's a mid-season replacement on ABC coming uh, early next year, and just a. Wonderful guy, ladies and gentlemen, Gilbert Lowe. I'm sorry, I'm doing it again. It's Anthony Edwards, the Trilam, president of the Adams College, Trilam's. Anthony Edwards. Anthony, Revenge of the Nerds. Damn it! Now entering nerdist.com. Blah blah. Blah, blah 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 blah. I'm setting the
0: levels. Mm-hmm. Talk, talk, talk.
1: talking about it just so there's not weird moments talk. of silence where we're staring at each other awkwardly. Wondering. Perfect. Uh, great. Now we're recording. Anthony Edwards, thank you for having me in your apartment. I'm sitting across <laughs> from your desk from you, so I sort of feel like I'm being interviewed. You are. What are your? <laughs> are, am I mean, am I? But I'm technically interviewing you. So why do you think you should have this job? <laughs> what qualities make you feel like you're qualified?
0: I feel like I've pretended long enough. It's time for you to take <laughs> over. I'm passing the mantle of pretending what? over.
1: Okay. From I'll... the oldest nerd to the youngest. <laughs> well, okay. Let's just dive right in and talk about that. Because a lot of people say that I get asked constantly in interviews, like, what's the difference between a geek and a nerd? And I go, well, look, people, it's... Uh, it's, it's it's a semantic. I, I don't know. I, I think ultimately we're saying the same thing. Some people would, if you want to get granular, say, well, nerds are more, you know, tech and geeks are more this. And, you know, everyone has their own definition. And I say, look, we didn't use the word geek when I was growing up. It was regional. <laughs> and the nerd, nerd was really a word that I didn't start using until Revenge of the Nerds. Where I saw it and went, oh, oh, that's it, that's what I am. <laughs> right. So it was because of your movie that I, I mean, I had just been into video games and I was a chess club and computers and I just didn't know what that, I just, you don't ask what that's called when you're a kid, you just like what you like. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because like, what year was that? It was like 82, 82 maybe? Yeah, or something, yeah. 80, 82, 83 maybe? 80,
0: somewhere right in there. And it was like, I mean, it was funny. It also had you know very little. It had a little bit to do with techno, but it had more had to do with just like being out of it. You know? Yeah. Being not the jock. Yeah. You know, where that was such the, you know everything was about sports and, again and you know nerds were anybody who didn't fit in.
1: Yeah. And but I just don't think it. It really it really took the because I I always, always kind of wonder like. Well, what were nerds in the eighteen hundreds? <laughs> were they cartographers? <laughs> like, I don't know. What they, what they, I mean, maybe they were accountants. I don't. I mean, they still had to count money at some point. I don't know what they did. I guess they were scientists and budding astrophysicists. But it wasn't really until the you know the computer revolution, the home computer revolution, started to take off in the seventies, where you had a whole generation of people that finally maybe nerds were just waiting for their thing well, in I, I, history. I, I, I. And well, anytime, like, a group gets
0: ostracized in any way and then turns, you know, the negative into a positive, it yeah. turns it into a badge of courage. Yeah. You know? That that was the whole joke and fun of it. I mean, that was, you know, to have, like, the what was it called? The the black fraternity. That the up, the showing up, The triumph showing up and making this whole black power reference. Yeah. You know, alignment. So
1: Which was a, uh, such a great... That, that, that moment in the movie, <laughs> like, any kid is like, oh, my God, yeah, because... I think so much of our culture leading up to that point, particularly in film, was a sort of like, um, I don't know, I guess it was like post war era, like, yeah, America, like, like, people win who are strong and are, like, they, you know, they're, it's all physical. And then to have a movie suggest that, oh, yeah, actually, the smart people. Are the, actually can use their brains rather than beating the shit out of something until it submits you know like that That was such an important idea for for us I think and especially probably at the age you were mean yeah. you were what 12 12 years old so yeah. I
0: mean there you are like trying to figure out who you are and what you are <laughs> you know um, yeah I mean I, it's a fun it's a You know, it was just in a time when they were just making ridiculous movies, Mm -hmm. you know, and that was one in which the director was like, yeah, but this is a ridiculous movie with a heart,
1: (laughs) you know. he was right. I mean, it really was. So. Was there was was there uh, was it a pretty strict script? Was there improvising? Did you guys? What? It was pretty. It was.
0: It was pretty much there. But you know, we were all just actors looking for a job. and yeah. So you know, we everybody just dove in and and you know, to this day, I'll run into Tim Busfield, and you know, there's friendships that came out of that that, are, yeah. that really, you know, it was our kind of. First jobs for a lot of
1: us, and, and it was a, it was fun. But you were in Fast Times too. Yeah. So that was that was another defining film of the.
0: Yeah, I've been lucky to be around some movies that were 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 like that. Um, yeah, Fast Times. Yeah, I mean, I was like, eighteen. Eric Stoltz and I we grew up together in Santa Barbara. Oh yeah. Yeah, and uh, I my my family all like, my brothers all surfed in that whole world, and and uh, but. Um, yeah, we were all like. Uh, I think I was like six months into college or something, and that and that job came up, and um, you know Sean Penn was insanely brilliant, of course, you know, and and let's never forget that he he was like introduced us to who he based the character on, and he was nothing at all like Spakoli, <laughs> and you're like, wow, and you're <laughs> realizing, like realizing, right, like you know. Actors, it's not about, you know, imitating something as much as finding that, that thing that makes it real. Because that's a really unbelievable character he yeah. came up with. I mean, Sean Penn, like, you know, was so not that guy. And uh, was so
1: brilliant, so. But he was, that that sort of like, uh, that kind of burner, who then, I mean, like, he really, that character is pretty timeless. Yeah. And it was almost like our culture didn't know we needed that character until he did it and people are still doing that character 30 years later and it just seems like it's how yeah. do you keep doing that well, it's We're so funny i'm
0: actually so i'm doing this new show now and the camera, the DP, is this guy, John Leonetti. And John Leonetti was the focus puller on Fast Times original. Holy shit. So we had not seen each other in 30 years. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and John Leonetti is literally, back, I mean, he's a lovely guy. But I'm, he's like, namaste, brother. <laughs> and he's like, I mean, he's this classic California character. Yeah. And it's, it's, it totally brought me back to Fast Times in that world. Because here he is just like, you know full-on California character. I mean, that's why I grew up up in Santa Barbara and it was like, you know, those guys, it was like, as long as they could have a job cleaning pools and able to surf, then life was set. Yeah.
1: You know, that's as much as they wanted out of it. What else do you need? Yeah. What else? This is just sort of a so there's a classic parable about the guy who goes to the Mexican fishing village and they're, they're catching fish and he meets these old villagers and he's like, oh, if you had more people come in, you could catch more fish. And the guy's like, and then what? And then you could build a factory and you could employ a lot of people <laughs> and then you could do... And then and then and then he he basically keeps saying and then what and then what and then what he's like and then you'd have free time to fish and he's like yeah but I do that now exactly so why do I have to do all that stuff to get what I already have yeah yeah Yeah, it's that funny
0: thing I mean I it was part of I mean Santa Barbara is a beautiful great place but it's also a place that like you know you're not gonna you're not gonna really push yourself because you (laughs) you really can't set up I mean I remember being people in like in a hot tub by the beach or something going that this is the center of the universe because there's no more beautiful place and there's no more you know and you kind of get lulled into you know it's
1: just a real yeah it's not like when you're in Santa you, you, a lot of times people wherever they are they sort of dream about the other side of the fence but if you're in Santa Barbara it's not like you're going I wonder what it's like you're to live yeah.
0: in a cramped yeah, apartment yeah, 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 yeah. in a
1: noisy city that's what I
0: said I was like no I mean Santa Barbara as a kid you know sometimes the fog would roll
1: in and yeah. get, you know seriously it'd be rough, it'd be rough like yeah, that work shuts down yeah exactly you know? but the, Santa Barbara is an interesting there's sort of this Interesting uh, uh, dichotomy between like this really pleasant beach culture and then. And then there's there's kind of a douchebag contingency too, a little like drunk, you know, like that board, that... Um
0: well, it was the one place on the 101 I guess it's because of, of the schools. And then the 101 also, it was the one place where there were stoplights. So it was like when I grew up there in the 60s, 70s, that for everybody hitchhiking, that was people would get dropped and <laughs> let off. So it was a huge homeless community that started oh, in wow. Santa Barbara. So there's, that's always been there. It's been like, yeah. a, you know, it's in a resort town. So right. It's got, a, you know, it always has had a population like that, that that has just hung out and at UCSB I mean it's got the, it's the there.
1: Is, there is kind of a bro culture there of like yeah. party bros yeah. and yeah. you know like sorority girls and stuff that's you know that's sort of around but there's so many great like um, the montage is really nice and the like all the little resorts around yeah, there yeah no it's the...
0: a beautiful I mean my folks still live there and you know they. my dad was born there Montecito and, yeah Montecito. And, and he was an architect and you know built all kinds of beautiful things and I mean it was a really good place to grow up I mean they had Tons of theater. We had, like, you know, two different youth theater groups going on. And I was, like, this scrawny little kid. So as much as I wanted to play sports, I couldn't, really, because they <laughs> laugh at me. And so I found, like, theater, and I danced. and I, and, and But there was enough of it going on that... You know, by the time I got out of high school, I'd done 25 shows. So, wow. like, we had just... It was just normal for us to have all that. So, I mean, it was a great community that way. For, yeah. For access
1: to the arts. So, so. so what happened right after uh, Revenge of the Nerds, which I'm still going to keep saying is one yeah. of my favorite movies of all time. What, What is, you know, coming off of that? Because that, that movie... Did, I guess maybe they didn't... Exp- it was fucking huge. I remember how huge that movie was. Right and I you know there had been since Animal House like a teen a string of teen comedies or Mm -hmm. you know Fast Times and you're so into that and uh, you know there were a lot of other I mean I have vague memories of you know a lot of misfit teen comedy but that one just like hit the sweet spot so it was a huge movie so did afterwards was it sort of like oh now I can be in well uh,
0: yes and not really I mean I was also you know I've never been like a real leading man kind of actor that oh Revenge of the Nerds <laughs> 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 because there was always and they're friends and they're great I mean there's always the Rob Lowe's and the you know those are the guys I was with when I was young. so I was, Alpha always Beta getting, House. I was getting you know kind of what everybody else didn't get is what my career kind of has always been in a great way I'm very lucky you know not but but uh, it, it did I mean that it led to Gotcha which was the same director Jeff Canoe, so we had this quick oh action. Jeff I didn't know he directed yeah, that yeah
1: yeah yeah had the biggest so, crush on Linda Fiorentino
0: yeah of course yeah yeah who didn't and so that led to Gotcha, and Gotcha is really what led to. That's what Tony Scott saw and said, "Oh, well, that's the guy you want to have as your best friend to die." Yeah. So you know, it was that because the studio really wanted a comedian. They yeah. wanted Goose to be a comedian. In yeah, America. and I was, and to the point where, when I my first day of shooting, I got a, a basket, a fruit basket from the head of the studio, both of them, Ned Tan and Don Still. and and the little card along with it said. Goose may not always be wise, but he's always underlined three times funny. And I'm like, "Oh. <laughs> um wait, I got to go look at the script again because
1: you remember I your head had to send you a fucking gift with a note on it. Like giving you notes about your <laughs> yeah, character before we start the movie. And I'm like
0: I'm, and I'm thinking, "Oh no. Like okay, I knew like he want but that was the so every day was about trying to, you know, bring funny into it. And I'm not a comedian and I'm not a writer, but I mean, I know, I mean I like to laugh, and yeah. So, uh, but then I mean, uh, I
1: got into that, but it's just like how things lead to the next. It's 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 strange. Goose you know? got Meg Ryan though, right? So he was so yeah. like funny does get get the, get the ladies right, and it and it does go full circle because my
0: son did wake me up the other night to tell me that I was referenced <laughs> a new girl because Schmidt <laughs> said, "Oh yeah, oh you're watching Top Gun." oh it's it's Anthony Ed he called me Anthony Ed he says nobody dies like him he's like the bald Hillary Swank as a a 50 year old father of five who's made a lot of you know luckily made some good movies and a lot of bad ones it's like that was a very proud moment that your son is actually the bald Hillary Swank exactly which is like because it's like you know I am the one you want to kill you know i like him enough to kill him
1: i well i was you know uh i, I was also like top Gun was a good sweet spot for me too because I was teenage, you know I was like yeah, early teenager at that point, and of course you know everyone identified with Maverick, but I identified with goose because i i felt like i was that i never th- saw myself as like I'm the guy who's gonna <laughs> exactly. can, I'm gonna pilot this bird into the sunset you know I'm the guy who's like hey kids, you know yeah, like right I was that guy I know how to operate the radios <laughs> yeah we. <laughs> yeah. stop it
0: so the they call a the guy in the back they call him Gage. it's like because there's nothing to fly the plane in the back of it it's just radar and all that <laughs> stuff so it was really meant for guys like us who could just be, like, hang out with a good looking one
1: but there was not a dry eye in the house that's right when Goose hit that ejection thing yeah exactly and yeah. oh it was all over that's why I got my pilot's license last year
0: finally oh. after Holy all shit. I love flying I've always loved it and everything so even finally even after that experience I know so finally <laughs> and, that's what, and when you get your when you do your first solo flight they do this tradition where you cut off the back of your shirt and so that yeah, it's called because they used to in the old days that's how they trained you. They'd be behind you and they'd pull on your shirt. Oh, right? okay. So that was, uh, the tradition is a cup because you don't need them back there anymore. Okay, to tell okay. You where to fly. And then you can write something to your instructor because you get to, you need know, you so, so that's what, I, th- I think I wrote something to the effect of, um, Goose Lives, um, Uh, I finally kicked the good looking guy out of the plane (laughs) you know if only he
1: wasn't flying I would have lasted a long time dude there was so much like when you look at like (laughs) when you look at the volleyball sequence you're like there's so much male actor testosterone in that scene between Tom Cruise and Val Kilmer and just like
0: and and as my kids also point out Who's the only one with a shirt on?
1: <laughs> Our dad. <laughs> I would have been that guy. Yeah. Was it? Was it Rick Rossovich? Yeah, that, Rick yeah, Rossovich was like just all these fucking yeah. Yeah. shirtless dudes. Yeah, it was all greased up. Not all of them have held up, by the way. Tom Cruise <laughs> is fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah not yeah. everybody else would still want to play shirtless volleyball. You, yeah. you look like you're in pretty easy shape. I think now is now is Goose's time. Exactly. I had to age. I'm like a. I like an old red wine.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, oh god, that was a ridiculous time. That that movie in those that hall cuz everybody knew what we were doing. So it was like, you know, it was really a silly story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was really pretty silly. And uh yeah, it was a summer in San Diego that was was a little little twisted. There was a very there was a tremendous amount of tequila drunk.
1: On that. <laughs> was nice. But that's fun. That's a whole different kind of. I mean, like you know, your background's theater. You you know you you you're taking a lot of a- acting movie roles and like like you just said, like everyone knew what this was, but it's still you still kind of gotta like it though because it's sort of it does feed a little bit of that. Oh, I think this is gonna be like a big movie.
0: Oh yeah, no, and no had that too. I mean, it was. I mean, the joke was that like we couldn't shoot the planes because Tony Scott had to have like. Lover, you know, everything had to have, like, uh, blinds with smoky light coming through, right? <laughs> so, like, and, and, you know, fans to blow it all and make it look yeah. good. It was like, well, we can't, you know, land a plane without smoke and fans. and like, um, You know, everything had to be backlit. And it was just, it was all about, I mean, on Tony Scott's birthday, while we were making the movie, the producers gave him a dildo with wings on it and it was that was <laughs> impressive I mean it was like <laughs> no one was <laughs> no one was pretending that they were making an art film <laughs> Ruckhime and Simpson knew what they wanted how did he take that? he loved it it was like that's it because that's the way he would you know Tony he would like ah, it's, it's fucking rock and roll it's rock and roll more patches put more patches and like, <laughs> what do they mean I have don't have give a the shit plane. I don't care put more patches <laughs> on it and have it loose and it's like but you know when you're flying you have to be all tight no, I don't care You know, you want well, it all yeah, really. and that was what made it all great he was fired three times during that movie really yeah he would be fired because the studio was that was wanted me to be a comedian also <laughs> wanted the movie to be really you know straightforward and he wanted all the stuff that made it look great all that slow
1: motion all that backlit smoky stuff that made it so cool well yeah he was basically Capitalizing at this at the zenith of MTV culture, right? Exactly. So it was basically like a go- like a gorgeous right. music video, and
0: they hired the guy who did the Hunger. I mean, if you ever saw the Hunger, <laughs> I mean that's like the sexiest, you know, it's Susan Sarandon and yep. it's nothing but like dappled light through you know smoky sex filled rooms. So. Um, It was, you know, and then when we saw it, when we finally saw it, we were like, oh, yeah, this, I mean, it was, you put in all that music and that ridiculousness, and, you know, it is that thing where I do show, because I'm, you know, of course, you know, Mr. Mellow Pacifist, who then has to spend the next 30 years having people going, my child joined the Navy because of you, (laughs) and you're like, I... Oh, I'm sorry, and I'm glad, and I hope they're <laughs> flying planes and not <laughs> scraping paint off of the, the wall. of the,
1: <laughs> Which is what you would end up doing. Yeah, I mean,
0: when we were on the aircraft carrier, literally, they're like, "Oh, you're making a movie? It's no fucking adventure." Right? Yeah, and they're like got a spoon and they're literally scraping paint. Like that's what they're doing <laughs> on it. You know, the life expectancy of an aircraft carrier in a conventional war is four hours. Oh wow! So we have like this like this whole antiquated. You know, military system. I mean, it's like it's what the debate is now, right? It's yeah. what they were talking about last night. They're yeah. Like, you know,
1: do we really need
0: <laughs> another air <carrier>? <laughs> know. How many? Yeah.
1: Um, but was was there any? Was there was everyone cool? Was there hanging out on the set? No, yeah, everybody it? It, everybody everybody got along really
0: well, and it, like it was, it was literally. You know, just destroying kind of one hotel room after another of where the party was or what was happening. And, you know, um, uh, <laughs> yeah. it was, I mean, the, the greatest character on that is this, this actor, um, um, Barry Tubb, mm-hmm. and, you know, who is the Texan with the cowboy hat. And, you know, he was proud because he said, I'm Barry Tubb, Dub Tub's son. And he was like, he was like, I don't care. I'm going to eject. I'm going to eject when we go up. And, you know, I, you guys are a bunch of pussies. I'm going to chat. <laughs> like, you know, then we see the dailies of his footage while we're, you know, we had, like, they shot us in the plane while we were flying. And he's just there, like, getting greener and greener and greener. <laughs> and then he's just, like, Completely lost. See, they should it. put it that all on the
1: DVD extras. They've got to put exactly. the, the throwing up on the yeah. DVD extras. It's all that total false bravado.
0: I mean, but that's, like, this thing, you would never go up in an airplane now. Like, then, like, you literally had to film. You know, with all the... There's not full CGI. Sure. So, you know, they were like... It was worth it to them to put us through, like, you know, training to get backseat qualified so they could get, like, seven minutes of film of us in the backseat of an airplane. Oh, wow. So that was cool. Actors have it that, so much easier
1: now. Yeah. Yeah, now you're <laughs> Not like the old it. days where they used to have to get over
0: the Yeah, that's what I was going to do for the Saturday life sketch would be the veterans of foreign war
1: films. We had to start a war <laughs> with a group of actors from another country. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Just there New was York. a day our per diem was late. Was <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, a movie that I loved when I was uh, when I was younger was uh, Mr. North. I loved that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Really fun movie. That
0: was a totally melancholy summer in that it was John Houston's like it was his kind of favorite book and the book the office north was was published after Thornton Wilder died mm-hmm. so uh, it wasn't totally edited so I had some problems there but it was you know John Houston had done these movies for his children he did the dead for his son Tony Houston and he did uh, I forget the other one for um, Princey's Honor or something I think for Angelica and then he'd done um it was. This was for his son Danny to direct, who's now a great actor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't know
1: Danny Houston. Oh, he, he didn't direct did, that. He directed. He Mr. Did. North. Oh, yeah, wow. No, he
0: was. He was going to be a director, and then you know didn't realize what a great actor he was, so he ended up becoming a great actor. But he. So this was for Danny, and and uh, he, John, passed away while we were making the movie. So we're shooting in Newport, Rhode Island. But he was so, he was such a great character. I really. I, my favorite picture I have is is. Uh, I'm sitting on a deck in Rhode Island, just going over the script with him, and it was the same day that, um, um, Lauren Bacall came over for dinner, oh, and I wow. sat at this dinner while Lauren Bacall and John Huston are like, "Oh, remember the day that Bogie did this on the set of African <laughs> Queen?" And you're just like, my jaw, was just like, ah, I can't believe I'm hearing. Jeez, this stuff. name droppers. I know I'm kidding. exactly. Oh, you had to sleep with him. Oh, jeez. <laughs> but um, it was, and he. Before the night that he died, he he knew he was going to die. I mean, he was that kind of a guy because he had this his the person who took care of him, who was also, I believe, his his girlfriend his uh, partner. Uh, she he told her, "When I die tonight, don't let them know until seven o'clock, so they have a good night's sleep because they're going to have to shoot that day." Oh like, my God! He was, you know, uh, an amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, And he also had to, the big lesson to me on that one was that he had to struggle to make that movie. Like, here's John Huston, wants to make a movie. And he was doing the same thing that everybody's was doing, like, begging to get the $6 million so that he can go make. Like, you think, after all the movies that man made, they're like, here, Mr. Huston, would you like another million dollars to make oh your movie? God. But every movie he made was something that was important to him. And when it's important to you, it's not commercial. It's just kind of inherent of course, to that. Yeah. Until then, some, then it hits and people go, oh, we knew that it was going to be great. Yeah. So, you know, he, uh, to his last movie, to his last dying day, was sh- proving once again that it's supposed to be hard. It's not supposed to be given <laughs> to you. And, you know, if it's worth it, you fight for it, you know, and you get it done. I mean, it's like what you read about Ben Affleck now with his movie Argo, which yeah. I saw the other night, which is great. And it's like... He fought hard and hard and hard and, you know, just didn't compromise. Well,
1: I guess, yeah, because if it were easy, then... I mean, I, I mean, obviously anyone can make stuff now, but it's still really hard to make a feature film and have it get released. Right. And if it's good on top of that... Well that's a bonus like it just like it's so hard that whole process is so insane it takes years like, I don't know how many... And and whether someone's going to give you a million
0: dollars or 40 million dollars they're not going to do it easily you know right. they're never going to give it and that's where you know these making these 80 90 150 million dollar movies are like yeah it better be based on a book and a comic series and a you know cuz for their you know business wise it doesn't make sense Right you just can't you know justify Oh yeah. You know, look at look at the odds. It's fantastic how much money people get back from their film investments. You yeah, know. it's pretty crazy. I mean like, even yeah. some
1: of the even some of the movies that you think of as like the highest grossing films, they go, Well they still haven't made their money back. Like, how is that possible? No, I mean
0: that's I mean, Revenge of the Nerds, I've never have we all had Points, you know, other net points, but I've never gotten a dime from that movie. God. But, you know, all that years. It's, it all just goes back in. And...
1: The same, yeah, it's the same. Uh, Tom Wilson had the same thing with Back to the Future. Right. Where it's like, really? Is it. The... This movie made. <laughs> Hundreds of millions of like, oh, we're still in the red. Yeah, exactly. How? Yeah, well, How well, are the you still in the advertising red? In, in, in Korea
0: oh, on God. the it's so 18th funny. DVD release and sucking up all the money. Points. Yeah, it, yeah. it doesn't even mean anything. I guess it means something... The, like, the truth is they... Do, I mean, they, you know, they... Uh, it's. I mean, the other funny thing about the movie business that way is that financially is. I got into involved in motor racing just as a fan, and then did some charity work with it. And when you're around that world, and you're around the businesses of America that have nothing to do with the movie business, is you're like, oh right, this is like tractors, the tractor business, which is probably ten times the size of Hollywood. Of movies, course, you know, and they make tractors. But when you call the head of John Deere. He returns your call. Like it's a whole other like the whole everything's out of line. Yeah. You know, it's like this it's like my dogs. It's like they think they're big. You know, there's like these, these tiny chihuahuas. And they're they're it's laughable.
1: Oh, uh Anthony's dogs are the tiniest, most adorable dogs <laughs> yeah, ever. Yeah. A black one and a white one. Little chihuahuas. They, when I came into your house, you were like, Oh, Okay, be be careful of the dogs. I'm like, oh boy, and I turn the corner, and just like yip, yip 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 Exactly. Um. So you, so you're into? Do you say you're into motor car racing?
0: I am. I'm a fan. I'm a huge like. I'm a fan of it. I'm. It's just
1: hanging on my one little like NASCAR. Mm, actually, Formula One. Formula One. And yeah, Formula cars. Explain yeah. it to me. Explain to me, because I, 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 you know, I've been kind of snobby about it from like, what is it? it? Goes from there to there. What do you need? What What is it? What do you see in it? Uh.
0: I guess it's as silly as the fact that I got to drive in like the celebrity race in Long Beach. Okay. Now. And when you get into a car and you learn how to drive it fast and you realize that it's about putting together 10 corners really well and you have to do it precisely and what the concentrations involved, then you realize the talent of it that required to make a car okay. to go that fast. So it just becomes that. It was just that. And then, uh, you know, I've always liked cars. I've liked, you know, um, uh, and... It's just kind of my one. Uh, it's, it's my one little dad private time. Aww, the kids nice. all hate
1: it, so I get to do it by myself. <laughs> but someday they'll come around. Right. And they'll be like you know, like I hated country music when I was growing up because I grew up in the south and my dad used to listen to it all the time. Right. When I got older, I'm yeah. like you know, yeah. I kind of like it a little bit.
0: Yeah,
1: it's funny. But it's, it's also, it has
0: to do with, I mean, now, the charity work I'm doing now has to do with Africa. hmm Because, I don't know if you heard, but... Oh, you're we, building a hospital. Yeah, well, we took a year off as a family, and not a, I mean, uh, we just did, a, like, a dream come true trip, which is we t- took the kids out of school, and we went around the world for a year. Holy and shit. And we traveled for, yeah, 310 days with two teachers, and went around the world. And we ended up spending a lot of time in Africa, and hadn't been there before, and... Like people who go to Africa, they come back going, it's where we're from. It's the, it's the Holy Land. I mean, because it, it and it feels that way. I mean, you get into the Serengeti. You get into these places where, you know, uh, or the coast of Africa where for 40 million years turtles have been coming and laying eggs. Like there's a, it's a very central place to where humanity comes from.
1: I know, but in Los Angeles, some buildings date back to 1923. I,
0: exactly. That's what I grew up So with. it's
1: probably the same. It's pretty yeah. similar, right? Yeah, pretty is. similar to that? It's
0: pretty similar. <laughs> um and uh and there's an incredible spirit. I mean Kenya is a country and um uh the people and there's the thing as far as you know, is actually always like doing charity and how do you make things, how do you make a difference in what you do? And the, the kind of thing that really seduced me into Africa too is how little goes so far. You know, I mean, we're building the first public children's hospital for East Africa and we raised two million dollars to do that. I mean, if we were to do something on the same scale here, it would be 120 million dollars oh to God. build this hospital. And this hospital, not only can we do it and there, but they don't have any pediatric teaching facility in East Africa. None. Oh, I mean, it's like, here we are in New York City where like you can't throw a rock without hitting a hospital or a doctor's office or something, you know. Right. And that kind of, uh, you know, uh, need there uh, is exciting when you can help, you know, feed it. So that's what's, it's just been really inspiring for me. And it's. I'm a big runner. Actually, that's kind of what I do uh, is I run um, and... Uh, and it's through the sport of running that we're doing this because the man who started this was a uh, ex-professional runner who uh, started bringing shoes down to, you know, his teammates and people he ran with in Africa where he trained in Kenya in particular, and um, so the organization is called Shoe for Africa, and what we do is we do women's empowerment races where we get 2,000 women together, mm-hmm. give them a pair of shoes and a T-shirt and then at that event have AIDS education and, and health initiatives at the end, or do it with a school and we're building you know, we're building schools there for sixty thousand dollars. Oh my god. So you're taking a public school and you're, which is falling apart because they have to have these schools and they have to provide the teachers, but the quality of the building is so poor. And so to do that basic infrastructure actually completely transforms education for that community because the schools become a place that the kids and the teachers want to go to. Sure. And that's simply by having doors and windows and a roof, which are things, more things that like we can't even perceive, you know. And I started this with the story of going around the world because. What inspired this is, if you go away from this country for, like, what we did, uh, 300 days, or if you, you probably only take you about two or three weeks, if you really pay attention, you come back, you realize, like, we have so much excess. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's insane, the amount of excess. The fact that our roads are paved so well. Most of the world doesn't have roads. Um, uh, healthcare, education, all this stuff that we whine and moan about as thinking, uh, you know, it, it's... Uh, we, we have so much extra. I mean, we're killing ourselves with food, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like we spend more in this country combating uh, obesity. If we took that money that we combat obesity with, we can feed Africa. We're <laughs> a
1: Cheesecake Factory culture. Yeah. But what's so interesting is like the whole like 99, 1% thing in America, you go, yeah, but... America is like the one percent of the planet <laughs> Yeah,
0: yeah as a whole we have so much we consume way too much energy, yeah. you know so um, that's what's it's you know
1: how is Africa i mean Africa's you know i've I've traveled I've traveled the United States like a hundred times over I've been pretty much everywhere a lot right. Um, global traveling, I've been to Costa Rica, I've been to Australia, I've been to, you know, Switzerland, Italy, England, you know, not, not anything, really want to go to Asia, really, you know, I thought about Africa and, but it's just like, how, how well educated about the regions do you need to be to go into and what, it, what, yeah. what's safe, what's not safe? Like, what do you,
0: it's, 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 you don't, it's really worth going. I mean, literally, uh, you, you know, if you start in any capital city in Africa, you're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. You, know? Um, uh, you know, and it's, it's closer than you think. I mean, it's seven hours to London from here, and then it's eight hours directly south to Nairobi, and mm-hmm. you're, you know, you're in Nairobi. Uh, uh, for, I mean, Africa's huge. And
1: um, with very little research and very little exploration, you would find safe places to go. And I don't mean—I mean I don't—I mean, don't—you I don't, I, know—I hate to sound like a dumb American when I say that, but I just mean in terms of like I—I I know that there are—you know—I know that there are uprisings and rebellions in certain parts of the the country, and so you just want to make sure like, and, and I think. I, I'm a little of a, a like a just where kind of America's at in the world stage right now. I feel like there are places like it's maybe not the best to go as an American.
0: Yeah, but the, uh, the most of the conflict that I've ever been around or or seen in Africa is not like classic white on black conflict that you think of like oh you're 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 not from this continent we need right. to kill you. It's most it's tribal. It's it's uh, you know it's just basic conflicts that happen between countries that, uh, you know, happen everywhere that are, are very specific to that region. And, I, you know, I I think it would be very difficult to stumble in to something that was bad. Um, it's like, you know, Yes, there's malaria in Africa, but you don't have to take malaria pills everywhere you go in Africa because <laughs> it, there are specific places where it exists, and you can take the pills when you're in that. Area, I mean, it's just know.
1: it's just the same kind of dumb thing that you know. I, and I admittedly have that, and it's not just Africa specific; it's everywhere. It's like, oh well, if I go. You know, if I go to Korea, which part of Korea would I right. want to make sure to go into? If I, you know, when we went to coast- but that's why you have
0: to travel because you've got to take that general yeah. stereotype and get it because people define specific.
1: You know, like people from the Midwest go, "Well, how do you live in L.A.?" That's that's crazy and not safe. And you're like, "What do you? What do you just go? I don't know. Yeah. You, like, you figure it out, right? You know, right, right, right." And that's the thing that most
0: countries that are actually touching other countries have <laughs> is that people, you know, learn how to do that. They know how to travel around. Yeah, and and um you know Americans can really benefit from that because you know we're so isolated
1: well that i think that's i think that's really important to do and and it's amazing that you got to take your kids to go see that too uh yeah
0: and we continue to do it you know we continue to travel because that's the thing once you get there once you'll go back again yeah. you know and you'll go and you'll realize that you know it's you can kind of get anywhere in the world in 24 hours and you know <laughs> that's a long time but it's a plane ride that has a beginning, middle, and end, you know?
1: Well, it's just a day. It's a day. Like, I, you know, yeah. Yeah, I got up at no. 8 this
0: morning. No. Uh, you
1: know, tomorrow by tomorrow morning, I could be somewhere And you'll else. never
0: regret it. You'll never regret traveling. That's
1: for sure. Well, it's funny because the, when, I, when I traveled internationally the most, I was dating a girl who was on the show that you were on now, uh, Jacinda Barrett. Oh, okay. So Jacinda is the one, like, Jacinda's Australian, and she had this, she was very much a traveler, and so... You know, she's like, we have to go to Costa Rica. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what's there. She's like, that's why you got to go. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I don't know why. I, you know, I just grew up very. We traveled around around America, but my parents were not big international travelers, and so I just didn't really appreciate the value of seeing another culture. Right. Until I went and right. experienced it.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, well, that's that's. You're not alone in that. I mean, that's like... A, it's a pretty common
1: American... I know, but, you know, I always like to... I'm sure, like, most people, I like to feel like, oh, I'm enlightened, and, I, and but then I realize I'm not really. Yeah. I, you know, like, I, I know... I have my own little sheltered world, but I really haven't seen right. most of what's out. It's sort of like- what's exciting is that as this
0: whole, this internet and everything, I mean, the way everybody's communicating now, because you literally now, we could be talking live to a bunch of kids in Africa like that. You know, we yeah. just couldn't do that before. So I think as younger generations are doing that, it's going to open up, you know, borders in a lot. Yeah. You know, in a big way.
1: Um, by the way, you you and Jacinda should talk because she also had well, she had her pilot's license.
0: No, I know we talked about that. Oh, you we did, did. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. She yeah, she used to fly. Um, I don't know if she's flying now, but yeah, I love it. I'm obsessed with it. It's so much fun. What kind of planes do you fly? Just a little single engine. I fly Cirrus now. Yeah. And um, out of white planes, and just kind of have a day off. I'm 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 out and flying, and
1: oh, I love God. it. It's really good. Do you go anywhere or do you just kind of circle around? (laughs) I
0: stay within 500 feet of the airport at all times. Yeah, I mean, the East Coast is great. I mean, go up to Maine and, you know. And have lunch. And um, the classic, like, go have lunch places, you know, Flip Pilot. I like go to Nantucket for lunch or on Monday. Oh, on that's I so go see my friend in York, Pennsylvania, and we'll go for a run and then fly back. And people are like, oh, that's a good environmental
1: thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> ah, shit. Go for <laughs> fly a plane to go for running. I know you. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> like, you accomplish this huge task, which is you learn how to fly a plane, and then there's still always going to be someone who's like, Way to, nice carbon footprint oh yeah, exactly. come on <laughs> yeah, you know, I put yeah. a lot of work into that yeah, come yeah.
0: on no it's total, It's just a really good it's a good hobby because it requires all this concentration and yet it's beautiful yeah you know and um, and you know they let actors do it
1: <laughs> <laughs> it is the one thing that they'll let you do. yeah that was the thing when I did my
0: first solo and he, the, the terrifying thing wasn't doing the flight it was when he got out of the plane before I took off and I'm thinking to myself wait a second I'm just pretending I've learned how to fly this.
1: I don't really know how to do it. Alright, that's when the acting skills come in. Yeah. Come on, you're a pilot. <laughs> I, I also um I I love running, but I you know Have I Have you I, run any
0: marathons? No, I haven't. I I've or just or been anything.
1: like I mean I really—I don't know if I could call myself a runner, but I run a lot. It's just like treadmill running because I'm usually just in hotels. But and that's a great
0: running, so. thing, and I'm not—and I'm not an advocate of, of marathons. I mean, I've done them, but I wouldn't recommend them. i recommend doing them once, yeah. just for your, just for the self-esteem you gain yeah. to know you've done it. Um, but I mean, that kind of distance is not great for you for sure. most people. Like I'm tall, and you know, after twenty miles, my body's like. Sit the fuck down. <laughs> <laughs> Stop that. Um, but just like you know, like today, I just went out and did you know four miles in the park, five miles in the park, and you're set for the day, right? You never
1: regret. No, a run. but you what's what's a, feel better? What's so funny is making that because I, I can run. See, we could have done this running. We could have run the whole time. No, <laughs> next time we'll <laughs> do it. <laughs> but, but what I found is that if anyone's an indoor, an indoor treadmill runner, the transition. You can feel awesome, like oh, I could run forever on a treadmill, and then you go outside, and you get like two blocks, and you're like fuck.
0: Yeah. Like it's just, so,
1: I, I think there's something about propelling yourself, like the treadmill, the moves are ground forward, but propelling yourself forward is an extra exertion. Yeah,
0: I mean, I but I I started running on treadmills when I started. I mean, I was like 37 years old, just, I smoked. I was like, okay, I'm gonna do something I can't do, which is run, and I try, try, and start, and it started treadmills and. Once you get off treadmills and then start running, then you won't. You'll only go to treadmills when it's raining or crappy weather, right. or you're stuck in a hotel. Because once you get running outside and enjoying it, it's really fun. Because it it's just so. It's it's a great way to zone out without having to concentrate. Do you have
1: all. earbuds? With, or do you, no, do you just like I do world? No,
0: I just kind of like <clears throat> the world and just kind of you know because uh, I always have whatever thought I have before I run. It's different after you come back and you have a have a different, you know, and and you can really, it's it's meditative in a way. Yeah. I mean, it, really, it really is. Well, New York has a good. I mean, LA is. You should. I'll show you. I'll t- next time whenever you're back. I'll take you and we'll oh, run cool. the, the uh, bridal path. Oh, I'd love it's to. It's great because it's really nice and you don't have to run on cement. And oh, that's really cool. Yeah, it's just it's
1: hard, It's harder to run in Los Angeles because it's not a well planned city, right. and so you find yourself like. I mean it's certainly possible. Right. But it's just think, it just doesn't connect very well. No. So the you,
0: first marathon I ran I did it while I was in El where I was on ER Yeah. And I did it and I would like run it like Hollywood and it would be like <laughs> mind dying <laughs> to go around that thing so many times. <laughs> over like, and over Dum, and over. Oh. But um <clears throat> it's good here. And it's and, and but that's the thing is you, you know, it's really about moderation because you know as people get like you know, you get too obsessed and think, oh, if I'm going to run, I have to run a marathon. It's right. Like, no, 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 no. Just go out 20 minutes. Yeah. 15 minutes. And then do that three times a week and see how it feels.
1: And then it'll grow naturally. I mean, it it's is is—it is kind of... Uh, running is sort of a... It can be hard on your body. I mean, yeah. like, it's basically... It's sort of, you know, I guess one way to look at it is that, you know, every time your your feet smack on the ground, you're sort of like, you're punching your organs a little bit.
0: Well, yeah. And we also, it's, you know, you read, I don't know if you read Born to Run or any of those books, but the, the most important thing is to run on the balls of your feet. Yeah. If you don't run on, if you, if you keep landing on your heel, you're going to, that's
1: where people get injured and hurt. Oh. Because we're
0: not meant to do that. Do you so
1: have we, the gorilla feet shoes or do you have running shoes? I
0: have running shoes and I have both. But the, the point of the running shoes, which are the, you know, the, the Vibrams or whatever yeah. they call them, those, is that you have to run the way you're supposed to run, which is to land on the balls of your feet. Because like yeah. if, you, if you're barefoot, you're not going to land on your heels. Right. You're just not going to. And if you run in that posture, which is harder at first because you have to use more muscles, yeah, it's it's better for you ultimately because it's less shocking and jarring on everything. Oh, and so your, running t- your toes shoes are supposed like to spread really, a little bit. Yeah, really soft heel running shoes have probably caused more damage than... Than uh, prevented. Oh wow! Yeah, because you're getting the repetition of beating that's going straight from your heel through the rest of your body, as opposed to hitting on
1: the ball of your foot. Oh wow! Yeah, I have the, um, I have the Nike chip in the in mm-hmm. the shoe, and then it connects to the to the pro yeah, 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 and then yeah, yeah, yeah. track the runs and stuff. Yeah,
0: no, I've got it too. I've got my, my Nike I to watch, and and I love that. I love going like getting on the maps and seeing where it went wow
1: oh, that's, that's really yeah. nice yeah okay. I, I, I do want to and the other thing about Los Angeles well
0: next year run the. I'm going to run the marathon one more time the New York City Marathon so I'll run it next year yeah so you're on you have to run it with me <laughs> what yeah, are you a, dropping Chief a challenge? Ah, oh, shit! You just made it a a about
1: charity. You yeah. oh, that's not fair. It's the, for the children. <laughs> I like. I like. I'm like. That's not fair. Yeah, but these people went to a hospital. But it's not <laughs> fair that you're gonna <laughs> make me run. Exactly. I mean, it's a whole day oh, out of my life. Yeah. I mean, oh, God. Sore. No one has it harder than me. <laughs> okay. So I guess we'll run for your hospital. <laughs> so people can live exactly uh, is it a 26 mile marathon they all are unfortunately uh, and that is, is a half marathon <laughs> shit yeah.
0: so this is like a full marathon yeah but you only need like if you have 16 weeks you can train for it how do you train you do 4 runs a week basically and the 3 of the runs are not very long necessarily and then on the, basically on the weekend you do a longer run and every weekend you do like a build up like you'll start at 6 miles the next weekend 7 miles the next weekend 8 miles and then yeah. you'll Go back, and then you'll go seven, eight, nine, and then you'll go back eight, nine, and you eventually get up to a twenty-mile weekend. Yeah, and that's all you have to do. It, 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 you don't have to. You don't have to do anything exceptional other than that. Well, I a long don't run on
1: the weekend. I don't. I don't think I run the smartest way because usually I, I have so little time that I go shit. I have a half hour, so I'll go onto a treadmill and run. For you know, like twenty five minutes at eight miles an hour. Well,
0: that's great, but that just means you'll have that to draw from, you know, because uh, all you're doing is getting your body used to running that distance. Okay, you don't have to have done. When no is, one does the, that.
1: Distance. When's the date of this? Uh, when's the? I don't know why that's. This will be count. the
0: first Sunday in November a year from now. Oh, okay. Oh, I can commit to that because that's a yeah. year away. No, no, commit you can be on our team. Oh you shit! Have a spot. Oh
1: my god, that's
0: amazing. No, because I'll do it. Yeah. Oh fuck, that'll be fun. We'll do. We'll, it'll be a good group. Holy we crap! Do, we have a, we have, this year we have sixty people running on the Shoe for Africa team. Yeah. And we do. Uh, you know, I have a big pasta party here the night before, and um, it's great. It's a good. It's a good group. Oh, that sounds. But it's so also fun. something you can do training and wise individually wherever you are, and you'll and we have a program you follow the program get it done
1: well i get ripped like a rock hard abs. last My great <laughs> oh my god literally passing the torch it's probably going to be my last too i mean I'll, I'll do i just think of like we said like yeah one i got it i got it i'm good you know and, and then be this. like, oh but i could do a little better i right could do i could do like 5 minutes faster yeah chicago it's fun. what's awesome is
0: to be with 40,000 people all going the same direction. Yeah. <laughs> like, the, I mean, you really are. Like, the marathon's the easiest part of it. If you can get to the training, the marathon is a piece of cake, yeah. honestly. Because running by yourself, doing 16 or 17 miles, and doing that, and not, and that's hard. When you're like, Sunday morning, uh, maybe I'll do
1: this on Monday. What are these like? You know, I always feel like, oh, there's going to be some Argentinian guy who's going to run it in two and a half hours.
0: You have to be prepared for the fact that I'll, there'll be quite a few 65-year-old women that will pass you. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's like, nothing against 65-year-old women, but, but if you have any kind of ego problems in relation to... Checking at the door. Yeah. yeah. My friend George Hirsch, who's 72, 70 years old, I literally saw him at like mile 21 the last time I ran. He's like, hey, Andy, how you know? Like, good. He's like, See you later. <laughs> <laughs> he was gone. I'm like ah,
1: oh, son of a bitch. Yeah. Uh, I didn't even get to talk to you about ER, which it also was. How was was it fun? Did you like it? It was eight years. It was eight yeah. years of it. It, it. It was
0: great. It was great. I mean, was, I guess that's a dumb way to ask that question. Well, no, I mean,
1: I, but it was it was.
0: I mean, you know, I all I sound like, like in like howdy doody, but my son was born in January. Of, 94. Yeah. We did the pilot in March. Yeah. We were, started the show in July, and then I did eight years straight, right, of that. And in that time, had three other kids. Whoa. I had a makeup company. And, you know, that's what I did. I mean, we were, it was insane. Like, the amount, I had no idea how much work it was until it was all over. And, you know, came to New York, moved to New York, and was like... Oh, jeez. <laughs> Who am I? Uh, because it, all that medical dialogue and all that was, you know, it was it just required a lot. And also, uh, you don't have kids. No. When you start having kids, you will I mean, it's like, it's all, you know, it was great that I played a sleep-deprived, stressed-out doctor because <laughs> that's what you are. So I didn't have to, you know, I didn't have to, um, I didn't have to... Uh, you know, Starsky and Hutch it yeah, so up, but you're,
1: you to, you're, yeah. you're sleep deprived and you're constantly having to keep someone alive. I guess right. re, when you have kids, your your house is like an ER ward. Yeah. yeah, so it's, the truth is, it was like, and
0: I'm realizing again now, I mean, working's easier than raising kids. Mm-hmm. So you know, going to work was actually kind of a, a nice break to be yeah. able to be with adults and do that and you know, play and pretend and have all that fun. And it made me also kind of not have it be any more than... Any more precious than it had to be. Yeah. Um, and we had a great group of actors there. And a great group, you know... None of the problems on that show happened on the set. It was a really happy, fun place to be. It was, oh, like, cool. it was that funny thing of like... I mean, it's not that Friends was dark. Or anything, right. But they started the same time we did. And it would like... If you visited the sets at different times, it was very different. Like, our set was like... Fart jokes and people like putting <laughs> shit on stuff, and, you know. It's just like <laughs> fucking around because then when the cameras were rolling, we we're like, Your child just died, and I'm it. <laughs> so it was like total heaviness, like, juxtaposition was like, Nutcase. And then you like, you go to the friend's place, and like, while they're rehearsing, they're like, Okay, this is hard you know. Uh, they yeah. were serious comedians, like, right? Doing serious, and then made people laugh, way, so. but also
1: but, everyone, like, well, everyone on that show, though, just sort of became their own little mini industry it's we're, separately you
0: right know. and in sitcoms I mean that that's a different world
1: yeah because they have a different schedule
0: and everything you know we're doing kind of 12 hours every day right no we, we, we never got that you know a read through day right so um, not that it's h- any harder what we were doing necessarily as an actor I don't think because those guys are great comedians obviously yeah. and that's really difficult stuff but um uh it, it, it was really it was fun it was really uh, I have to say for 8 years I had a really good time I always enjoyed going to work the scripts were always challenging it was you know it was great that way so I had no regret ER finally ended recently didn't it yeah for 14 or 15 Jesus. years so they did something yeah when I moved to New York too I had that awful experience of living where we live here on the Upper East Side where I'd go to the street and people were like Why'd you leave the show? I'm like, well, I want to be, you know, with my wife and kids and, you know, raise... I don't care about your kids. I want you on the show, like, good, angry television fans Why in New York. i like, I don't give a shit about your private life. Entertain me on Thursday nights
1: and don't leave. Like, it is... I know it's such a... And I don't mean to stereotype all New Yorkers, but there is such a great... But Like, we were... I was driving here and the car that I was in was... Uh, I don't know what was happening. Like a construction guy was trying to back a car out or something. And we were just stuck in traffic. And there was just a guy who, there was literally nothing we could do, but he was just standing yelling at our driver, Dickhead! Dickhead! <laughs> like, I don't, there's not anywhere we can go. Yeah, Where do you yeah, think yeah.
0: it's not happening? It's great. Absolutely. Everybody's in everybody's business. <laughs> <laughs> no
1: and it's idea. weirdly, and what's funny about it is that I guess it's just because Cousin New York, you go, eh! Yeah. There, you know, if that happened in L.A., you'd be like, "I'm gonna get out." Why the fucking what is, your, what, is your, what is your, you know, like? <laughs> but here you just go, ah, it's yeah. New York, you yeah. know, it's
0: okay. And the nice thing about it in New York is that you, it's probably a better percentage that people aren't armed. Yes, but like in L.A., you're always <laughs> thinking they probably have a gun in there. I'm, like I'm gonna get shot. It's like
1: I'm gonna, I'm just gonna get shot. Yeah. I'm gonna let it go. Yeah, you don't, you don't keep a place, you don't have a place in L.A. though, right? You just you're totally here.
0: No, we're here, we're here.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we. have... We, we we go out there in the
0: summers, and we did keep place down on the beach that we, we go to and visit, um, but
1: not in LA proper. Yeah. Well, I, I just let's talk about your show. Um, it's mid mid season show. Yes? Mid season show, zero hour. Zero hour.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, it's kind of the last. I mean, it's it's the classic like I'll never do a one hour network <laughs> series drama again. What? That was that was something that. was like cut to ten years later this is a good one. Um, I hadn't really... I'd really not wanted to do a series for any other reason than selfishly could stay and play with my kids and learn to cook and do other things and do little movies and I've been having fun. Um, But then about a year and a half ago my kids were giving me that look like get out of the house. (laughs) You're annoying us. Um, And uh, I got offered uh, to do Carnage, the play. Mm -hmm. And uh, I thought, oh, wow. Well, and I started wrapping my head around the fact of like, oh, yeah, I could go back. I could do that for four months or six months. And I thought, well, if I could really wrap my head around going back to work for four or six months at a time, why not do it this series? So I have a development deal with Paramount and CBS. And and my partner and I then started actively looking for something to me. We've been developing things for other people to do. And we started doing looking for it. And I thought it would be like a half hour, like a, a Showtime or a cable, yeah. something where I'd do 13 episodes a year. You know something a little more, my mind manageable, um, and we developed something that we thought was great. And the Showtime took it all the way up to the end, but then didn't make it. And I was I was kind of shocked because I really thought that was the one that was going to go and do it. And so then all of a sudden I was kind of my manager was like, "Well, let's read other things." So I started reading other things, and Lorenzo De Bonaventura, who I worked with at Warner Brothers years ago, and they they sent me this script. And my manager was like, "You might like this." And it's totally got me because it's just like something I haven't seen on television before. I've seen kind of movie versions of it or read books like it because it's kind of that like Da Vinci style thriller. It's like a conspiracy thriller and it's modern. And when I'm reading it, I'm like, A, I don't have to play a doctor. B, I don't have to play a policeman. C, I don't have to play a lawyer. Like, that's a trifecta. Like, that's, you know, it's it's going to be normal dialogue. Um and uh, you know, once again, it's as I get called in for these things. It's you know, you're every man because that's my fate. Which is sure. people are like, you remind me of my cousin. Right. You know, so that's. Oh, I get that I, too. Yeah. Oh, you're, you're <laughs> my like, friend Craig. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we're of that ilk. We're like normal white okay. guys. Yeah, white guys, white guys. A bit nerdy. A bit, a bit nerdy. We're nerdy, yeah, nerdy yeah, white guys. Yeah. Like we're 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 the friend. Right. Exactly. We're the friend. Yeah. Um, they want to sleep with the other one but they'll marry you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> later, <laughs> later in life later, later, after I they've
1: think. been broken. Yeah, exactly. Then you'll come and help clean up the mess, rehabilitate them and, they can and they'll can leave you again. Yeah. <laughs> and you'll take it. Yeah. Um,
0: so, uh, I just, I said, you know, and then I did my first way of getting out of things by saying, I love this script but, you know, if it goes to series we have to do it in New York because I'm not going to move. And, they were like yes so i went okay <laughs> um, actually it did make me happy because i uh, i liked it and i then talking to the writer the writer is out of his mind it's paul Schering who created uh, prison break mm-hmm. and he's like mr you know knows a lot about everything and has you know is really into multiple layers of plot and, you know, it's much smarter than I'll ever be and I I, I can't figure it out half the time. But, um, you know, it's just a a great setup for, um, you know, I'm married to Jacinda Barrett and, Mm -hmm. you know, in the pilot, she gets... She gets kidnapped, and we're off to the races. Like, why are you after my wife? And this conspiracy thing starts unfolding. That just, we're shooting episode six now, and we just, you know, every time we get a new script, we're like, no way, <laughs> really. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, whereas some shows, because we're going to be able to tell this whole sh- this whole story in 13 episodes, we're not. They're not having to think like, oh, oh, we have. One gag which our show's based oh, right. on, and we have to make this last for five years, right? Like, no, this we're gonna make this story last for 13 episodes. So, they're really like every episode, major things are happening, and that's the most fun of it because I feel like well, we should have a good shot doing this because if we do it halfway well, as good as the script, then I know it'll at least be entertaining, yeah. And then you know, it's just up to the gods of the networks whether they. Put it in the right place, or the people were ready for it, or you know so they give it a chance. Yeah, like I don't know, but I mean, i have a feeling like if something's good and it's it's the right time, people, you know, it'll it'll last or it'll go.
1: But yeah, it, but it's, I don't know. You have a good attitude about everything because it's like ah, you know, if I, it doesn't work out, I get to be with my family or we'll travel more. Yeah, I'm a little lucky that way. It's it's pretty neat. Like, yeah, it's, it's pretty. It, it's. Being able to come into this business without that sense of desperation, like, I hope this is the thing. I really need this to be the thing. Like, that's a fucking
0: horrible place to be. But it's also that's, but that's the trick of what we have to do. And you have to do it more as a comedian than actors, because you don't have the character to hide behind. So when you're (laughs) up there, your ability to make it look easy is what is your greatest talent and that's what people don't understand and they don't need to understand that like you know when I watch the Olympics I don't really want to go to every training session with that (laughs) (laughs) with that you know gymnast but when I watch them it looks effortless and I think I can do that sure give me a balance beam I'm there I can do it you know and that's what we're supposed to do so you know to, to eliminate desperation is really great because it takes that weight off of everybody I mean that's the best advice you can ever give an actor is like go Go get a job by acting like you don't want it because all they want is for them to go, oh, fuck, we don't have to worry about this. Right. He's not worried about it. Like, he can do it. It's not a problem for
1: them. Well, I guess maybe, you know, part of it is because you think, you know, when you really want to do something, you go, oh, that this is the only thing there is in the world. And then it sort of goes back to like, well, if you travel and you see the world and you kind of see what else is out there, you might go, Oh yeah, you know, of course it would be nice to have this career, but I'm not gonna fucking kill myself if I don't get it because it's you know right. There also, are bigger things. And
0: you, when you're around it, and you you know, and I was lucky when I started out. I worked with a lot of older actors and the, the ones that had long careers, the ones who just genuinely loved what they did. Yeah. And loved their life, and they you know it wasn't the drama of of every other part of the business where people are flipping out about whether or not. Their publicist did the right thing or their you know manager did the right thing. And there's so much fear that people act from as opposed to just like the joy of it. Like, yeah. hello, <laughs> we live in America and we can pretend for a living. Like, you know, how bad could it be?
1: Yeah. Well, I think we're almost at the end of our hour. Oh, we're almost, we're exactly at an hour. Really? This just flew by. <laughs> and, and I still can't. Do you remember your <laughs> speech from the end of Revenge of the Nerds at all? Do you remember any of it? Do you remember um, the?
0: What did you, he say? He said, um,
1: "It's right after the trilamps come in, yeah, and he hands yeah, you the yeah. microphone. He gets thrown into the water. He gets thrown into the water. Yeah, and he comes yeah, yeah, out. Yeah. And he's got to pick up the pick up the glasses. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, I can't remember. I, I can't remember the I just I just remember it was like, I just remember that tonight those bastards, they trashed our house. Yeah, they trashed our house.
0: Why? Because we're, we're smart. Because we're smart. Because we're
1: because we look different." <laughs> And then I think it's, is it, and then, and then you say, I'm a nerd. I'm, I'm a nerd.
0: I'm a nerd, yeah. And I'm proud.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty proud of it. I'm pretty proud of it. And then Carradine comes over. Yeah. I'm a nerd, too. I'm a nerd, too. And he wanted picked out that, like that. And then fucking Queen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we are the champions. Like, oh.
0: It's so goofy and so dated.
1: It's It's <laughs> really... But the message is still there.
0: Always, yeah. As it was in Euripides. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sophocles. Time. Revenge of the Nerds could have been like a Greek comedy. It only... <laughs> It really could tragedy. have been. Tragedy. Uh, comedy tragedy. Uh, but, uh, well, thanks for having me over to your house. And we... I would... Yeah, we're going to fucking run it up. Okay. Well, that's it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but... I come back to New York, I feel like, every week or every other week. Well, so. I'm
0: here all the time. And I generally... Running. I'll, I'll, I'll run in the mornings Just because As the day As the week goes on It's always Like a You know My
1: calls get later and later What about in the night. winter Can you run in the winter
0: Yeah yeah It's great In the winter It's great I run You
1: can run all year round What In the snow This is crazy information yeah, No it's great Okay We'll do even it It's getting better Alright Thanks Andy It's nice to see you You too Enjoy your burrito everybody Nerds Nerds Now leaving Nerdist.com Enjoy your burrito this episode of the Nerdist Podcast is brought to you by Stamps.com. Go to Stamps.com, click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Nerdist for a $110 bonus offer, including a digital scale and $55 of free postage. That's Stamps.com. Enter the promo code NERDIST. I have missed these Friday night dinners. Mm-hmm. Hey, welcome to Harvey Gras! At these family dinners. Gracious, everyone! Dysfunction is served. I can't have you all messing things up for my entire adult life. To mom and dad being totally normal. Wow. So, dinner next Friday, everyone? would miss it for the world. Dinner with the Parents, Season 1, stream free, only on Freebie.